0: welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Abraham Mark, who is the founder and CEO of True Made Food, which is a fascinating food company that is cutting out refined and artificial sweeteners out of products like ketchup and barbecue sauce and replacing them with real veggies. What a concept. So thanks so much for joining us today, Abraham. Matthew, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm just honored to be here. Well, before we talk about True Made Foods, I actually want to start by winding the clock back. You served eight years as a Navy helicopter pilot. How did that service shape the leader you are today? Uh, I mean, I think
1: it's definitely one of the best things anybody can do in their 20s um, is to, to join the military and do that, especially in a combat arms role. Um, like as a pilot and where you're really, you're given more responsibility early on. Um It's almost scary. Like I look back now at my 26 year old self and I was an aircraft commander in charge of other people's lives and a $36 million aircraft during the Gulf war flying over the water at night, <laughs> you know, in the uh, Arabian Gulf in 2003, 2004, Um, you know, and, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would trust a 26 year old, especially 26 year old me with anything right now. Like, uh, looking back now that I'm in my forties. Um, but you know, that's what the military does and they, they train you exceptionally well for it. Um, and then they, they put you out there where you're almost always, um, being asked to do something that you're not comfortable with. Um, at least especially in the Navy and in a lot of, uh, you know, forward leaning roles, uh, you're, you're always being asked to do something you know, that you haven't really done before, um, there's not actually a ton of support. Uh you're expected to learn as you go. You're supposed to learn on the job and uh become a master of it, um, right away and without a lot of support or a lot of help. And so it really pushes you to be self sufficient and uh it really drives up your grit too, which is important. Hmm.
0: I believe you you served a tour of duty in London, which, which led you to the London Business School, if I'm correct, and you were introduced to impact entrepreneurship there. Can you talk to our listeners a bit about what impact entrepreneurship actually entails?
1: Yeah, um, so uh, impact entrepreneurship is really, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's, it's it's entrepreneurship, but in a way that drives um a higher social impact um there's lots of different definitions of it, and everybody's trying to you know push their own understanding but for me, it was always just uh you know a an entrepreneurial venture that had a higher social impact to it um so other than just a financial venture right um <clears throat> which Really, at the end of the day, almost any real game changing or big, uh, um, startup or uh, entrepreneur, um, has that impact. Like, if you're really changing the way people eat or changing the way people think or interact with each other, um, hopefully in a positive way, um, you know, creating jobs, creating, you know, growing the economy, that kind of thing, helping out, um, <clears throat> helping make, make people lives, people's lives better. Um, that's really impact on entrepreneurship. But a lot of it most of the time is focused on emerging markets. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where people seem to think that you know, there is the biggest need. Um and especially back in when I was doing this when I first learned about it and it was really hot back in like uh two thousand eight to ten. Um, like that was a time when People saw entrepreneurship as a solution for emerging markets to help them grow faster, you know through knowledge transfer through ways to uh jumping technology. everybody saw what the cell phone did or the mobile phone did in emerging markets um and how it allowed you know just the technology jump there right They didn't have to wait for phone lines to be built all around the countries all of a sudden towers could go up, and everybody could be connected just like that right. And so there's this hope that, you know, you could do that with other technologies and with other types of entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's really kind of where impact entrepreneurship came about. Hmm.
0: So I, I had to write all of this down in bio, but you did, there was a seven year stint where you spent time as an entrepreneur in, and let me know if I got it all right, Bulgaria, Ghana, Egypt, China, and a full three years in Qatar. So first off, how did that all come about, and then, I guess, as a follow up question, how does that international experience shape your leadership style or the leader you are today
1: yeah it's um, what's interesting is I and mean, part of this result all because I got out of the military in two thousand eight um which was maybe the worst time ever to, to leave some type a just a secure paycheck and um <clears throat> like right in two thousand eight um I had my m b a I thought, you know, things were going to be amazing. And of course nobody was hiring, especially nobody was hiring somebody with eight and a half years of military experience, um, MBA or not. So, <clears throat> you know, I really, I kind of turned into emerging markets and impact entrepreneurship because that's after working, uh, my short duty in, in the Navy when I was stationed in England was, uh, working at a U.S. European command, which at the time also covered all of africa so i traveled a lot to eastern europe and africa and uh, worked on programs projects in those places and uh so on those continents and now i was uh uh you that was really kind of the only experience i had to fall back on it there was money and there was jobs pushing open in these places and they and uh so That's what happened and how I leaned into these, uh, working in these emerging markets. And I was honestly attracted to it. It's one of the reasons I joined the Navy in in the first place is because I really wanted to travel and see and experience different things and, um, and be in a lot of different countries and really get to know what was happening in these places. And really honestly, there's no better way to get to know a country than to actually try to start a business there or to work, you know, closely with entrepreneurs in these places because you really start to understand the culture and the, the challenges and things like that are uh, much better than if you're just visiting. Mm-hmm. Um so but yeah, it, what it, it really did for me was it really just created a, a, a full on sense of practicality. Um <clears throat> really kind of wiped away a lot of um uh illusions. I don't want to say I got disillusioned, but it it, it, it brings you down to earth a lot more. Um and makes you also appreciate uh the US government a ton. <laughs> A lot of business people and entrepreneurs in the U.S. are always complaining about regulation and da, 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 da. Um, really, you need to be thankful for taxes and regulation and everything because trust me, when you work in a place without any of that or where it's easily sidestepped or there's a lot of corruption and you can't trust the institutions, um, it is, uh, it's a nightmare. And that's really what stops business and development at the end of the day. Um, it's not a lack of innovation or entrepreneurship in these countries. It's the fact that um a lot of these countries uh there is a, a government in place that is predatory or corrupt and that's what's that kills entrepreneurship. Um <clears throat> and I think you need so uh we need to be appreciative of what we have in the US. I mean we can always make it better and we should always be trying to make it better. That's the great thing about our system. Um it's not perfect but the uh you know I saw I saw children die like in a fire in a mall in Doha like um because um this nursery was built that flouted all the regulations and uh, construction was poor and all all kinds of problems set around that like you you got to realize that sometimes these things are written in blood um and it's it's helping protect um and it should be evening with the
0: uh, I think the the background that you have and how it's shaped who you are is is unbelievably fascinating to me as is how you kind of got to start this company that is is thinking about food in a totally different way to maybe how we're um conditioned to think about it. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the origin story of, of true made food and, and how this came to be? Yeah, we, um,
1: uh, so there's two different stories kind of, there's always a story about like what pushed you to take this crazy jump. And then there's like a story behind the idea and the passion behind the idea. Um, because sometimes they don't line up and things don't get started, you kind of have to have both right um the especially these days when it's really hard to start a business, like especially if you have a family or everything like where you can't get healthcare, care et cetera um so one of the things that pushed me to get to do this and to dive in full force is that uh when I first moved back to the u s in two thousand and thirteen, I started working for a uh a charity here, and they hired me as a director of innovation, and they wanted me to help them create social impact products. And the first one that I worked on them for was a, was a coffee, um, from Eastern Uganda. And that got me into the food business and that got me learning about food in the U.S. and how food companies are launched and how you launch a food product. Um, and then like after really getting into this and getting excited and launching the coffee, like, uh, the charity ran out of money and they fired, um, because they had no more budget. And so I was devastated, um, because I just, you know, poured my heart and soul into this project. Um, it's a real problem that I have where I get onto something that I love and I just build it and I ignore everything else that's happening. Um, and so I was just ripe to start something new and I was like, you know what, screw it. I was 38 at the time. I was like, we just saved up enough money. I was like, we're going to go, I'm going to go do my own thing. I love food. I'm passionate about food. Um, I want to do a food company and everything in food in like 2014 was just exploding, right? There are all kinds of new food products coming out left and right. And the big companies were buying small products, so it was, uh, new innovative, uh, they were innovating through acquisition. So it seemed like a prime time to start uh, a new food company. So in 2015, um, I launched True Made Foods. Um, the focus, uh, somebody gave me the idea for the ketchup and barbecue sauce and it just, the ketchup especially, and it just kind of set off light bulbs, um, because um, it was a personal passion of mine. Like I, I hate, I actually hate ketchup. I hated it my whole life because I thought I always thought it was red sugar. And so as a young parent, I've always tried to keep, I always tried to keep my uh, kids from eating ketchup and failed at that miserably as most parents would probably, uh, <laughs> uh, would probably connect with, uh, we, you know, uh you just can't keep ketchup out of the kid's lives and you end up using it as a way to get them to eat other things Um but it's so bad for you like ketchup has more sugar than ice cream ounce per ounce um, barbecue sauces tend to be worse it's like twice as much almost more sugar than so than a soda per ounce in barbecue sauce the average barbecue sauce and uh, we love barbecue we love growing out we love going to barbecue restaurants all that kind of stuff we weren't going to stop eating this kind of food but the sauces were just destroying it and I didn't want my kids eating this stuff Um, and I had always grown up cooking pasta sauces with, uh, that's how I learned to cook was with my mom, uh, you know, learning to cook pasta sauces, uh, old family recipes. And we always use carrots because as a natural sweetener in the sauce, my mom says, uh, lazy Italian use sugar. And that's where I kind of, it kind of came together. And somebody gave me the idea of putting ketchups and vegetable, uh, or sorry, vegetables in ketchup. And I was like, well, wait a second. that's how I make pasta sauce. That should work that genius um and so we experimented with it worked on the recipe some got something that could work uh initially and just you know ran with it and launched it like crazy um i just you know thought this was such a great idea uh that uh, i just kind of jumped full force into it you know, it was such a great idea that and at the same time like i had nothing else to lose you know what i mean and so that's what kind of those two things together kind of drove me into this
0: so you've been at this now for give or take five years, had a decent amount of success with it. If I asked you to look back at the last five years, where have you spent more time than you ever would have imagined you had to spend time on this pursuit to build the business? And where do you wish you had been able to spend more time, but there's just a limited amount of time in the day?
1: Um <clears throat> I think I've spent more time in grocery stores, <laughs> in grocery store aisles, um, dealing with problems, uh, pulling things out of the back, doing demos, setting things up, um, realizing, fixing all the small problems that happen all the time. Like <clears throat> you, when you launch a grocery item, um, like other, I, can when I talk to other entrepreneurs in the and the food uh, industry. They'd be like, "This would be a lot easier if everybody just did their job right." And it's not necessarily that people don't do the job right. It's just things screw up all the time. You're launching these products, the wrong pricing gets put on the shelf or the wrong products get put, get ordered in or, um, they get put into the wrong place or they're, um, you know, things are always, there's always kind of something you think you just got a big sale and then, you know, the wrong, they order the wrong thing or, you know, and then you have to try to fix it and then you're dealing with these big bureaucracies with the grocery stores. So it's really difficult and they're very slow. And so you're constantly dealing with that and just eats up your time. Like it'll eat up your, it eats up weeks of time at a time because you're, you're dealing with these small little things that, you know, you would think, you know, they put in the order, things get put on the shelf, everything is great and, you know, the product sells. And no, you're, you're dealing with all the kind of small things in between that, that go wrong. Um, pallets get lost, things like that. Um, you know, they count things, they count the number of cases wrong and you're constantly dealing with that and dealing with the paperwork. Um, mm-hmm so that's one of the small problems one of the things i wish we worked on earlier and spent a lot more time i spent a lot more time on was uh, kind of just branding and design Hmm. early on the thing that hurt us like the first few years were a real struggle real struggle i mean that's pretty normal in general and as it should be but one of the things that hurt us early on hurt this company was that just a real lack of design and lack of focus on design i had an initial co-founder um who Tried to do all the design himself. Um, and it was a, just an absolute disaster. Um, like all of the products that we launched in early stores, our first launches all failed. Um, <clears throat> mainly because of that. I mean, we're lucky that we survived and were able to climb, cr- climb out of that. Um, but I wish I'd spent more time focused on design. I just always kept thinking, you know, this is something we can work on later, something we can perfect later. I need to just collect more data and, you know, we'll work on it later. And, this past year, actually, at the end of 2019, um, Whole Foods actually forced us through, cause they were like, we are not bringing you in unless you redo your design. And so, um, I scrambled. Luckily my, one of my sales guys knew a great designer because I've been struggling to find a good designer. Uh, she happened to be in Austin too, right when I was in Austin for the Whole Foods meeting. And so connected, um, just worked with her nonstop on this. And it really kind of made a huge difference. We launched all new labels this year. And so far from what we've seen from sales this year, the, the new labels are doing just 10 times better. We've gone from like crossing your fingers when you get onto a new shelf, that the product's going to sell to being much more confident the product's going to move once you get into a new, onto a new shelf. Hmm. Um, and <clears throat> you know, it's, it, it, you have about less than a second to get the, c- the customer's attention in a very crowded space and you, know, you have to. So packaging design is just about everything. Um, one of the, so that's something yeah, we that yeah, we really messed up early on and we should have spent more time and money on.
0: One of the things that's fascinating, I've, I've really enjoyed yeah. these conversations with leaders across many different industries. I don't know if I can think about anybody we've talked to who faces stronger competitors and incumbents than maybe people who, who fight for shelf space in a grocery store, especially in a market as competitive as sauces and, and ketchups and barbecue sauce. How do you think about the leadership necessary to disrupt believably strong incumbents? Um,
1: You need to have a very practical sense. I'm going to go back to that a lot because I think practicality is very important. But um, because people get caught up, of course, you need to have like grand vision and you need to believe. Um, And because if you don't, you won't survive like you you need to have that long term goal constantly in the back of your head, and you have to believe that you are going to disrupt this category um <clears throat> you know you need that there to survive and keep you sane, or otherwise the small little things every day the little struggles every day will just eat you alive um and eat your team alive, so you gotta keep things focused on the big picture, and you gotta you know celebrate those small wins to keep everything going um and keep morale high when you know when you're struggling through this stuff. Um, but you also need a real sense of practicality and to understand what you're up against. Um, you know, you, you gotta understand that you can't fight fire with fire. you got to, um, be much more about, you know, you're, you're, you are the, you're the insurgent, you're fighting guerrilla warfare, and that's what you need to focus on and to find those ways to win hearts and minds on the ground, um, when you're, and to start and realize that it's not going to happen overnight and you know you're not going to find the nuclear bomb to, to win um overnight you need to have you know you're you're slowly chipping away at the base of these these large incumbents that you're fighting against and uh you're and eventually they will collapse and they'll collapse on themselves um but you got to just keep up that fight that small fight every day to keep wearing them down and to keep like slowly seeding away their core customers their best customers
0: Well, um, practicality and and winning hearts and minds is a a spectacular spot to end the conversation and and shift us to our two questions that that I get to ask all of our guests. And the first one is is this, Abraham, if you could describe your personal leadership style in one word, I I have a hunch what it might be, but what would that word be? So common sense. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, best piece of advice I've ever received
1: is actually, um, a metaphor called the, the fox and the hedgehog. Have you ever heard of that saying? I have not. Okay. Um, it's an ancient Greek poet, uh, poetry. And then I forget there was a, somebody else in blank now who wrote about it later in more depth. Um, but the idea is that there's two types of people in the world. There's the foxes and the hedgehogs. Um, and the fox survives and the idea is that the fox survives um because he knows many things and the hedgehog survives because they know one thing and they do it extremely extremely well um yeah uh, the good to great author has argued that entrepreneurs need to be hedgehogs and they need to you know focus on one thing which makes sense but i think he takes the, the he takes the metaphor the wrong way like really you need to be a fox um because you need to be flexible and you need to be able to change um And really what it comes down to is, is more a mind philosophy, like foxes, foxes take the world as is and look at the data and, you know, base their opinions on what's going, you know, what the best solution is, you know, just like a fox trying to escape from a dog, they're not going to do the exact same thing every time they're going to take their environment and they're going to do the best thing that they can to escape. Um, whereas a hedgehog does the same thing every single time, no matter what happens. Um, and so hedgehogs, People who are hedgehogs, like they have this certain belief or a belief system and they try to fit everything into the world into this belief system. And, you know, not everything in the world is going to fit that way, but they cram everything in. And they see the entire world through that one spectrum or through that one lens that they believe. And that's always a problem. And, and that when the environment changes or things change around you, they do extremely poorly. Um, so. Like the fox is going to get away from the dog the same amount of times that they're going to get away from a human chasing them or any other predator Um in any type of environment because they're flexible. While the hedgehog, you know, might do extremely well against the dog because the dog's not smart enough to get get through those spines. But if it's a person, the person's smart enough to get around those spines. And so they're going to fail a 100% of the time. Um uh, So I think you need to I start to see the world as a fox. Sorry, take it as is with data, you know leave your opinions behind, empty your cup, and uh really go after
0: it that way hmm. well, foxes and and hedgehogs and that level of insight is a perfect spot to to wrap up so thank you for that story, thank you for your time. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your great company uh please go to
1: truemadefoods dot com <clears throat> or amazon dot com backslash truemade foods um great <clears throat> it's a easy way or an Instagram or at, at true made foods. So our true made foods.
0: Well, thank you for all the great insight, Abraham. And thank you to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it. When you share our show with your network, you can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at learn to lead podcast. And you can find our organization, Ability, A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.